If you sit there and you wallow in the fact that this client doesn't want to see you, you are actually harming the interaction that you're going to have with the next client that does want to see you, then that next patient that does need your help. Welcome back to That Vet Life. My name is Dr. Ryan McCauley, and this is a podcast for veterinary mentors and mentees. And today we have another solo episode for you. And I feel like these are a little bit of a popular one, especially on the Instagram side of things, because we are doing a Q&A session. Yes. So every other month or so, I put an episode out on Instagram. And it is literally, if you're a vet student, ask a question. If you're a veterinarian, answer a question. And today... We are going through some of your questions and answers. So with that, let's roll into today's episode. Okay, you guys. So I know these are rather popular and honestly, it is insanely exciting to watch these type of posts just blow up on our Vetstagram community and just that everyone is sharing it because from the mentee side of it, you want to see the questions that everybody else is asking. You have an opportunity to basically have a hive mind of responding back to you based on their personal experiences and education. And oh my goodness, like it, literally the number of questions that we have on here, there's no possible way for us to cover in the course of an episode. And so we'll have to save them for future. But again, if your question was not answered on the episode, that is okay. It was answered in the Instagram post, so you were not left out. And so today I am going to just scroll through here. We're going to hit some of these questions and I'm going to try and go through the answers that everybody else provided so you can see what kind of rounded responses we get. And then if there's time, I'll add in a little bit from my own experiences. So right off the bat, the first question that we have, and by the way, I'm not going to try and pronounce everybody's handles there's too many that I would just mispronounce and it would be embarrassing for all of us. So we're going to avoid that if we can today. So right off the bat, the first question that is up here on the top of the comments list says, how do you handle clients preferring another provider? I know it's not a reflection of me or my skills, just some personalities don't quite go together. I can't help but still be bothered by it. And chances are everyone who's listening says, yeah, yeah, I kind of feel that. Granted, there's probably some where you have a client that does not want to see you and you're kind of like, well, to be fair, I don't really want to see you as a client either. So it's a little bit mutual. But for the general audience who's listening to this, so yeah, it's, it's definitely something that we can all go through. So let's go through some of the responses. There were so, so many so starting off, one of the answers that we got was acknowledge and honor how the client's choice made you feel and then tell yourself their loss, but I'll be happy to help in the future if they want. And then move on to the next patient and owner that needs your help and is seeing you. So I really love what was said in this one in that it doesn't say just blow off the emotions that you're feeling. It says, okay, acknowledge that you feel a little bit left out here. That's okay. You can acknowledge it without sitting with that, but you do need to move on from it. You can acknowledge that it happened. You can try and understand why you feel that way. Like, why do you feel a little bit let down that the client wants to see someone else Yes, it's not a reflection on you. However, we are human. We like to be liked. And the fact that someone else doesn't want to see you almost feels like they're saying, well, I don't like you and that can hurt. But 
again, it's not a reflection of who you are as a veterinarian. And there was a quote by, oh my goodness, the name is escaping me. But it basically was saying like, you can be the sweetest peach on the face of the planet, but if someone doesn't like peaches, they aren't going to like you. So that's, again, it's one of those things. And someone else, I think in the comments said, it's not personal, it's just personalities. And so I honestly would say like, you could acknowledge that, yeah, they don't want to see you. That's okay. However, in the next part of this answer says, and then move on to the next patient and owner that needs your help. So if you sit there and you wallow in the fact that this client doesn't want to see you, you are actually harming the interaction that you're going to have with the next client that does want to see you, to that next patient that does need your help. So yes, you can acknowledge it, but you do have to turn your attention to someone else that will benefit from seeing you as their doctor. And I feel like that kind of goes over the rest of the answers that we have. There were honestly like five or six different people that chimed in with huge, huge paragraphs. So again, don't have time to go through all of them. So we will just kind of continue to move on from there. Ooh, here's another great one. It was literally number two on the list is best way to gain experience as a new grad. So much that we can unpack here, you guys. So, so much. So gaining experience. Like, I feel like we can break this down into two main categories of experience. So you have the medical hands-on cutting, sewing, actively treating a patient's type of experience. And then you have the more non-clinical type of experience, the communication skills, well-being skills, like all of these different things. So I get the feeling that the question is more aiming towards the medical surgery type of experience. So we'll cover that side of it. So one of the answers here, let me pull this up here, says, don't be scared to jump in. I think it's very easy to feel insecure and say, I don't know enough. I'm not experienced enough. I'm going to let a senior vet take this one. Pack that negativity away and go to your senior vet and ask them to manage you managing the case. Schedule check-ins for them to check your progress and choices and give feedback. Easiest way to gain experience is to not shy away when that little voice in your head tells you to. Ooh, that's such a good one. So yes, as a new grad, it can be very easy to let that imposter syndrome kind of sit in the back of your head and say, I don't feel qualified to handle this. And yes, it is very valid to acknowledge that feeling and to say, hmm, there may be a little bit of truth to that. And honestly, if you're within your first year in practice, there's a high likelihood that there are a number of cases that you should not just step out on your own and handle completely by yourself. And this is where it's really important to not just hang on that by yourself point. And it's that... Yes, there's going to be a number of cases or surgical cases that you should not physically just run off on your own. However, hearing that voice in your head that says, "Mm, maybe not by myself or maybe I'm not quite ready means that you are in that zone of comfort where you are starting to actually step out of the comfort zone into the stretch zone. And in that stretch zone is where you will gain the most experience, the most confidence, and you will actually accelerate your learning. So identifying what kind of cases are in your stretch zone and just past your comfort zone 
are going to be the ones that you should start identifying on the schedule. So if you look at the week ahead, and depending on what your surgery schedule is, like maybe have a list of surgeries that you want to accomplish in the next six months. And then once you accomplish them, make a new list for the next six months. Like this is something that you can check off as you're going about your way. And again, sit down with your mentor in the very beginning. Like I'm kind of jumping ahead here and jumping backwards all at once. But let's circle back around to this. So in the beginning of your job, when you sit down with your mentor and you want to gain experience in certain areas, don't have this giant overwhelming list of anything and everything that could come in. Maybe you say, hey, for the next three months, I want to really nail down my dentistry. So maybe we go to a dental course or maybe I really only see majority of dental cases in my surgical load so that I can really practice these skills repetitively. So having that kind of conversation right at the start of your practicing career or those first six months out in practice are going to be very, very important for how you set yourself up for success. Okay, so now that you've made that list, then when you're looking through the schedule and you're starting to say, hmm, what kind of cases do I feel I'm not quite prepared to handle on my own entirely, but I want to gain experience in, look through the schedule, find out which doctor is managing it, or maybe what's, again, this is looking mainly at surgery things, but look at the doctor who's handling it and go to them and say, hey, can I shadow you on this case? Or make a a point with your mentor to say, hey, I want to have this kind of surgical case on my surgery day so that you can be there to help me and kind of set both of you up for success in that manner. So again, that's something that you can be doing to put yourself in that stretch zone. And equally so, if you're looking at your first three months out in practice, one thing that the front desk can actually help you with is scheduling appointments according to your skill level. So in your first couple months out in practice, honestly, first one to two, even up to three months, ideally, you should really just be focusing on seeing quote unquote wellness, which I say quote unquote wellness because it's never just quote unquote wellness. If you could see me, I have like air quotes going on every time I say quote unquote wellness wellness. Um, And that's something that, again, it kind of sets you up to see the normal first off, but there's almost always going to be a couple cases that come through as your wellness and they have an ear infection or, hey, there's this bump on them or, hey, this dog actually has a heart murmur. And so those are going to be the cases that start putting you in your stretch zone And then as you feel more comfortable with it, you can start to see true sick appointments. So things that they're vomiting and having diarrhea or they collapsed or they had a seizure, like things that you know are coming in unwell. And so your front desk can be really helpful in this and that in those first couple weeks to couple months, they're only scheduling quote unquote wellness for you. And then once you feel confident and you've sat down with your mentor and you say, all right, I'm actually getting a little bit bored with these quote-unquote wellnesses. I'm sorry, I'm having way too much fun with this. And uh, then they can start to open up your schedule to more illnesses and saying, all right, now you're going to see the itchy dogs or I'm going to see the vomiting dogs and those sorts of things. So that way the front desk knows, 
hey, we're trying to help our new vet out this way by adding in maybe one to two sick appointments for that day for them. And that way they know, okay, we've reached our maximum. We're not going to give them five sick dogs or dogs and cats on the same schedule. One, because it's going to overwhelm them. Two, because they're not going to be able to get through everything on time. Three, because it's going to overwhelm our support staff and our mentors because everybody's going to be helping them. So again, help them help you help the rest of the practice by doing this. And I feel like I bunny trailed off the initial question, which was, oh yeah, how do you gain experience as a new grad? So we're kind of picking this one apart by doing that. But yes, I feel that's probably the biggest thing that I can say is come up with that list of cases that you want to see in the next six months. Come up with a plan of how to put them in your schedule or to see them. And again, make sure your mentor is aware of this and that the other doctors in the practice are aware of this so that even if it's not one that is your case, they can be like, hey, I know you wanted to see this. You can go look through my notes. You can go look at this slide that I just made from the FNA. Go to help you learn. Like Again, mentorship should be a part of your work culture so that everyone is trying to help everybody else learn and grow and be excited about the areas that they're going to be developing in. So yeah, that kind of wraps up that second question, which, oh, wow, I always end up bunny trailing. So thanks for sticking with me for right there. Now, before we get on with the episode, a quick word from today's show sponsor. Introducing the Vet Career Concierge Service. It's an easy way to find your dream job, and it's a brilliantly simple concept. Instead of wasting time searching through thousands of practice jobs that might be a good fit but frequently aren't, let the Vet Career Concierge do the hard work. All you have to do is register, tell us all about your skills and what you're looking for from your next practice, then your Career Concierge goes to work filtering, matching and approaching only practices who are a good fit. If you like the sound of a practice you want to meet, your concierge will coach you through the interview process, help with negotiations and work to ensure you have a smooth transition into practice when you accept a role. They'll even stay in touch with scheduled career check-ins to make sure you're happy. The service is open to vets and vet nurses with at least one year in practice and legally able to work in the US, Canada, UK, EU or Australia. To register, visit vetxinternational.com forward slash jobs and all registrants will be entered into a prize draw where you could win an Apple Watch, Magnum of Champagne or one of several Amazon gift cards. Registration and membership is free for vets and nurses, so head to vetxinternational.com forward slash jobs to sign up today. Now back to the show. So, okay, now let me keep scrolling through here. Let's see. Knowing how I bunny trail a bit, we'll pick this one as the last one, which is tips on studying for exams or any motivation will do. Oh, little crying face at the end of that one. First off, for all these students who are studying for final exams, I feel ya. It's not fun. Just know that it does eventually end, granted, unless you go on to do some other certificates or other studies. But even then, it's not near as bad of the caseload of exams that you have in vet school. So keep pushing through. It is worth it. It's important. It's necessary, but you'll get to the end of it. So a little bit of motivation. But uh, tips on studying for exams. Now, Mm, This is where it's a little sticky because the type of exams that I had in the UK studying in Scotland are a little bit different in structure to how the exam uh, schedule and just setup works in the US. So for example, I had like mini quizzes, which were like 10 or 15 questions 
every other week or every other month or so during the semester. Every other week. Yeah, that makes more sense. And they were just kind of a spot check. They counted for maybe 5% total of the total grade. And so if you passed or didn't pass, you kind of just looked at the grade and went, eh, doesn't matter. It's not really going to be my saving grace. So in that respect, didn't put a lot of mental stress on myself to do well on those exams. More often than not, they were relatively straightforward, to be fair. But, and, and I mean, you're hearing that and you're like, oh, that's not too bad. That's much better than the big old exams that account for so much of my grade here. The caveat to that was the actual exam at the end of the semester was all-inclusive. Yes, all-inclusive of everything that you would have learned in the semester leading up to it. So everything from three months ago, three or four months ago, up until that point would suddenly be put into a multiple choice exam and a short answer exam. And many of those short answer questions would be such that if you missed the first part of it, well, sayonara, my friend, um, you kind of missed out on the remaining questions right then because you were already going down the wrong trail. So my exams, again, were a little bit different. How we studied for them was a little bit different, especially for the fact that we got a week off leading up to our final exams, and it was called a study week. And again, I feel like there's probably some extent of this for U.S. students. But again, it's just a different setup. I had never experienced an exam scheduled like this until I went to the U.K. But in that week leading up to the exams, like I pretty much covered every single lecture that I could and went over all my study guides in that week leading up to the exam. It was just like a no sleep type of week um, to cram everything in. But the biggest thing that I can say about how to study for exams, whether you're in the US or the UK, is don't wait until the last minute to study for exams. Honestly, you will not A, learn anything or retain enough information in that amount of time that will, A, allow you to get a good grade on that and actually allow you to learn enough to move forward from there. And granted, there's always exceptions to the rule. Don't come at me uh, being like, well, I just barely study and I get, I don't care. I'm talking to the general public here. (laughs) Sorry, that was a little sarcastic. But legitimately, in general, what's going to help you is if from day one, you start making study guides. And I'm not going to tell you what your study study guide should look like because it depends on the content. It depends on how you as an individual study. But one thing that is really hard and very important to figure out in vet school is how do you study best? What kind of methods do you need in order to retain information and use that to your advantage? And if you're making these study guides from day one, when it comes to your study week, you won't have mounds and mounds of extraneous information that you're trying to sift through. Instead, you'll have focused study guides that will allow you to see the most important information and allow you to connect dots in a way that when you get to the exam, you can kind of filter through them a bit faster. And again, like it's a little bit different for everybody. And I wish I could say this is the best way to study. But again, it comes down to how do you study best? Is it 
in a group? Is it by making charts? Is it by drawing everything out? Is it by handwriting it? Is it by typing everything out? Is it by verbalizing it? There are so many different ways that you can go about studying, and this is not going to be a podcast on the best study techniques. I'm probably not the best person to learn from. Yes, I did pass vet school with flying colors, and yes, I am a practicing veterinarian. However, my study methods do not work for the majority of the population. So sorry, you're not probably not going to do well learning from me on those type of materials. But again, in general, tips for those exams, start early, be consistent with your study methods so that when you do get to the final exam, you're not left crying in a corner because you haven't made any study guides at all. So yeah, I'll kind of wrap it up with that. But I wish I could go over a few more questions with you guys, but I am starting to run short on my availability of time here. So what I will point you to is that if you want to see more of the responses, if you want to see more of the questions, go over to Instagram, go and see the post. Um, You can try and add some new things. But again, the algorithm is not going to pick it up too much for people to answer things. But you can always wait until the next ask a question, answer a question comes out on Instagram to ask your questions. Or if you're a mentor and you're like, hey, I have some great answers to those questions, but I don't know where to go go and follow on Instagram. That'll be the best place for you. But I had so much fun going through these questions with you guys. I'm sorry we only got three out of the insane list of questions that were there. That always blows my mind how we can keep on talking through these things and seeing how many different layers there are. But if you also have, again, like different questions, different answers, hang out on the Instagram. There's always so many people in the Vetstagram community who want to support you who want to be your mentor. And equally so, here's an also an awesome opportunity to go and check out the Thrive community. This is a group of individuals, veterinarians, practice managers who want to see you succeed. There is the Thrive course, which is designed to really find that niche for you, help you succeed as best that we can. So go and join there. Go and join the message boards. There's so much that, again, you're going to be an awesome veterinarian, and sometimes you just need a little bit of extra help along the way. So go and check that out. But otherwise, until next time, y'all, I will see you around. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the VEDEX community for free to get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also leaving a review of the show on iTunes, we greatly appreciate it because again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Vet Life. 